What's up, everybody? It's Joe Lapuma. You were listening. You were watching the Complex Sneakers podcast. As always, I'm joined by my two friends, my two co-hosts. First off, to my right, Mr. Matt Welty. Put a little sauce yeah, on Yeah, a little sauce, because, you know, <laughs> I've been here since 745. Why not? No, you got here before me. To my left, who I'm talking about, Mr. Brendan Dunn. What up? What time did you get here today? Because I was early. I don't know. Okay. Nah, right. I have, Way to kill the bit. I walked sleep, in at like eight. Fi- I walked in at eight fifteen. Did you sleep in the office? I walked in at eight fifteen. I was like, I'm definitely going to be the first one here. here. He was already here. You ever do that, Joe? Sleep in the office? Yeah. No. Not once. No. Well, yeah. So, did you ever come back to the office late and like be here till two a.m.? I don't know if I came back. I just remember the one Never day. Never left. <laughs> I think we mentioned out here. It's like that. Well, I had to write that John Michael Wozniak story oh michael mm-hmm. jordan's uh yeah joe hit the yeah the shrug there was yeah. like a hard deadline on that and i think we were also unveiling victor cruz's sneaker room collaboration mm-hmm. they were both like those wide features with the big images and i'm like yeah. both of these are due tomorrow and they're not done yet the the latest do you remember <laughs> what time you went to bed uh at the office oh man it may have been like three Ooh. in the morning and wow. where Four. did you sleep uh, this is at the old complex office of Rockefeller Center. Remember, uh, we were in that row, yeah, uh, together, right? Yeah. And the, the the men's bathroom was right there, and there was that weird, big, like circular. You thought you were going to say slept in the bathroom? <laughs> no, there was that like circular couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I slept on that. Wow, fun there. I I think my latest was when James Gandolfini died. I was playing yeah. soccer at Pier Forty. It and what was this, what was the stat sheet looking like? Oh, that? I mean, two assists, maybe two goals. <laughs> Two goals? I was good at soccer. Yellow okay. card. Donnie Kwok will uh, He'll test probably that. probably that was back then. Yeah, definitely a little aggro. Probably what was on what was on feet though for the soccer? Probably game? probably a yellow card and then maybe another threat when the ref when he was looking at me like this like he was going to take the, gonna sec- book you? the yeah. second yellow card you, out and then you, I did, relaxed. Did you get all in his face? Pier forty, you know they try to attack the legs and things like that, but. When, yeah, unfortunately, James Gandolfini died, I came back to the office to write... The legendary eulogy? Yeah, a eulogy, and that was a late one, but, yeah. Can we... Sorry, um, I want to talk about box scores real quick. And You know, when we talked about John Donahoe last week? Yes. Oh, yeah. And I, I was trying to remember in the moment whether or not maybe he had played basketball. John Donahoe played basketball at Dartmouth. Oh, he He, he earned you. a JV letter as a freshman on the squad. He's 6'5", Welty. This what is a quote. Doing? Donahoe had a decent single season, scoring 34 points and pulling down 32 rebounds in a season. Bro, he's running you. He's out of, six five. He's running you. He out played of the in the Ivy League. YMCA. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you still standing by your claim that you will beat Nike CEO John Donahoe in a game of one on one? Yeah, I'll throw elbow to his back. I said. Okay, Are you, see, you're that's what's happening even at now the that you know that too. he played in college. Yeah, he's six five. I'll throw elbow you know what, Donnie? You would say to you, all that deadlifting don't matter here. <laughs> That's what he would say to you. I was trying to, although, I was hoping those, we could humble him a little bit. He said, but. listen, you could, you could, Donnie, you would be like this to you. Although that Instagram story. Wait, Donnie deadlift, meaning John Donahoe? Is it? Yeah. Or, yeah, Don, yeah. Did I say it right? No, no, yeah. I, Donnie, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. He'd be like this to you. All that deadlifting on Instagram before 7.30 a.m., it doesn't matter here. And then he, <laughs> Also, but also, though, he'll probably, like, be gone from Nike in, like, a few years See? before the game okay. even gets set up, right? right? It, <laughs> went, went, Am I wrong? Went, went dark, you know. Am I wrong? Had, had a bit, and then it no, went No, 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 I'm just, right? Probably, maybe. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. Oh, God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully hopefully we'll make it happen, and we'll find out the truth. You got your FSR uh, hoodie on today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little warm in here, but I had to show up for the team. You know what I was doing this weekend? 
I know what you were doing because I actually got an invite. I don't get invites from you two, but I get invites from oh, people boy. who you're with. Oh, boy. Respect. You're hanging out with Abdul, right? Yeah, our yes, friend Abdul. Abdul who invited was on the podcast. me. Go back, listen to that episode. And who may be on the podcast later because from what the information I gathered, even mm-hmm. though I couldn't make the little rendezvous <laughs> that you two had, <laughs> he had a certain shoe on? Yes. Abdul was wearing the list Nike Air Force One, DJ Clark Kent's upcoming collaboration. Pretty spicy. It's a colorful shoe. It, it looks like no Air Force One I've ever seen before. Wow, that's okay. We so were walking around. People wanted to know what he had on feet. You know, we said, no pictures, please. I saw his IG story. Were you getting stopped a lot? Yeah. I'm... Oh, look at him. He had his little Bam Bam baklavas on <laughs> in Soho. You can't miss the guy. Did, did Abdu- can't miss him. Oh. Did Abdul finally uh, it, uh, confess to you what he does for a living? <laughs> we, I made a few jokes about it, but we didn't get in-depth about it. But yeah, Abdul... Um, Said he misses you both. Yeah, I would have liked to be there, but I was in Bayshore. Mm-hmm. Better things to do, I guess. Not necessarily, but it was a close friend's 40th birthday. Okay. I went by Extra Butter, spoke to our friend Bernie, and reminded him that he has one of the highest rated episodes of the Complex Sneakers podcast of all time. This was at the Extra Butter Russ and Daughters Puma launch. Nice. It was dry. In, Clyde in, was there. In... In? Uh, LES, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clyde invited me. I couldn't make it. Shouts to Clyde. You know... Oh, long complex friend doing great things at Puma. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Sneaker Box Clyde. Known him for a while. Um, you got to catch up with plus. him. You had to, you had to clarify Briefly. on that because you're like, oh, Clyde. But no, maybe no, Walt. not Clyde. For, not, yeah, yeah, but you're talking Walt, about Clyde you're Frazier. talking yeah. about them doing a Puma Clyde, right? Yes. Yeah. Clyde, you're like, oh, Clyde was and there. Clyde works at Puma. Was, uh, was Clyde Frazier there? No. That's what Sneaker I thought. Box Clyde was there. Was Clyde Drexler there? Sorry. Right. Just naming Clyde's. Yeah, shouts to Sneaker Box Clyde, though. Uh, but yeah, uh, one thing Bernie mentioned to me as I was telling him that he has one of the highest rated episodes of his podcast ever, go back and watch that, listen mm-hmm. to it, is that there was some moment in there where he was trying to deliver a specific message, you know, some thesis, and we cut him off. I can't imagine us ever cutting somebody off, but apparently there's a message he still needs to deliver. So maybe spent, we'll have him back. I someday. spent the last 10 years crafting minute, this like, thesis uh, and they just he cut wanted me to, off. He wanted to get bars off that <laughs> yeah, he didn't? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Bernie, we apologize. Or I apologize on behalf of the crew. Uh, you guys want to talk? Let's let's get let's get into the details. You know, let's get let's open the box and like get into some design details. You want to talk this big Air Max big bubble? The Air Max 186. Yeah, we should talk about it. Wealthy, do you like the big bubble Air Max 186? It's cool. Not a glowing like endorsement. It, it's cool. I don't know. It's yeah, it it's and you're an Air Max guy. Yeah, you like OG it's style nice. Air Maxes. It's not. I, I'm not like super hyped on it mm-hmm. and i'm not like oh whatever i don't care mm-hmm. but like it's somewhere in between i was so excited for this because it's always interesting when they bring back an og style that's never really been brought back before and this is kind of a mythical version of the air max one with the even yeah. chunkier bubble and it's the type of thing that they do to satisfy purists like us but mm-hmm. then we see the first images your friend tommy trigger posted a mm-hmm. video on instagram and the shape just looks a little wonky, and I feel stupid because I had just made this proclamation about this is the shoe that I'm really excited this about. This is the only shoe I care about. You know, and then you see it, and you know, it's kind of this thing of like the retro versions of shoes are the ones sometimes that are seared into your memory, and then when they do a version of the sneaker that's really tuned to the OG specs, that OG style looks off to you. You know, like how they have mm. some of those Dunk 85s from the past yeah. couple mm-hmm. of years that mm-hmm. to us look wonky even though they look more like the original Dunk? I had, it's just disconnect. I had that conversation in the past where 
some people are so tied, like you said, tied to the retros, mm-hmm. but they don't realize that like the retros are actually like kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like in that like 2005, 2006 era sure. where like nowadays when they do retros, they like pay a lot of attention yes. to what they're doing. They Working s- with people at Nike. They source the original shoes, try to, to find the Nike original last, yeah. like try to actually recreate it back then like 2005 2006 if you just look at the shoes you yeah. they're so far off from it's almost like you had uh the original in your mind somewhere mm-hmm. like you had an image of what the shoe looked like and then you kind of just tried to like make yeah. it off of memory rather than sitting down and creating it one to one yeah or or even i don't think the brands even invested that much into the idea of at that point retro at that point that yeah. they're like hey we're going to give you all these time and resources to do this so you look at some of those Jordans and you're even Adidas and it's like they don't have the right details on it. Everything's mm-hmm. off. But some people are so nostalgic for those because that's when they like first got into shoes that, sure. th- that they'll like ride or die by like that one being the best. That and you're specific like, shape. And you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't. You know what shape I actually like in retrospect is the, I think it was 2017. In retrospect. Hey, yeah, Air boy. Max ones. I think those were the 30th anniversary pairs. And I was a little bummed out the other day because I realized that I only have the blue pair from that year oh. and not the red pair. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? It's all good. I'll get the red pair that's coming out this year because it's got the big bubble. But now I'm seeing it, and I kind of maybe not. The... Joe, do you do you care about these? Are you? I feel like I've have I ever seen Joe wear a pair of Air Max ones? No, I have the red pair, and okay. I actually think from, I have from the, 2017. I think so. I yeah. think so. I don't wear them a lot. Uh, I just like to have them. Is that the only Air Max one you have? I'm surprised you don't have like the Atmos Air Max ones. No, I don't have that. I have the the I would 95. Think you would, right? no, like the like the Beast. Atmos. Uh, yeah, I just have the 95 version of that, which I, I recently wore. I don't have a lot of Air Max ones, no. Okay. You know which ones I really liked that I didn't get, though, was the Crep ones. Oh, the the original? Yeah. Yeah, that whole pack, the hemp with the Crep, yeah, the Burst. The bur- the so 90. I had the bur- yeah. Burst. Do you remember? Yeah, Bur-la- Burst. That pack was a big finish line three pack. I got the Bursts. I mean, I I, Rudy had the Air Max ones. I, I mean, I think uh, maybe the best artist collaboration M&M. of all time is the M&M's uh, Slim Shady Air Burst. Yeah. 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 The, that pack was great. When that are we going to get bursts back? I don't know. That's a good I, shoe. I just to don't b- think no? they're ever going to like, they've done like the Air Max 94, which is yeah. like a real similar shoe. Yeah. Same bubble. It's just, the, it's just never going to look the same. So it's like, what's the point of doing the burst when literally the whole design language is that it has this big honking. I remember the re- we are talking about like retros and the shapes. I remember the whole big remastered program with Jordan. I remember the oh, yeah. biggest like, one. Oh, we're going to charge two hundred twenty dollars for this and make them in like BS colorways. The biggest <laughs> one that, that sticks out was the I think the olive fours were part of the remastered, right? Olive four. Pretty sure. Olive. What is an olive four? Excuse me. I remember the Oreo fours were a big part of the uh, of- remastered. Yes. I yeah. knew it started with the no. Yes. Re- re- remastered program. Back that was the retro a, plus and I remember LS just being colorways. like. Oh, they're really stepping it up, and, and then I mean, you ate on that release. Basically. I literally still, ate. Still, <laughs> still DS. I have like eight. two or three pairs <laughs> no, in the basement. Whoa, whoa you yeah, ate. talk to him. You yeah, ate. Didn't you, you bought eight pairs? Yeah, right? and yes. it's the Oreo, so you ate it. Man, bring those we are out. on fire today. And <laughs> I feel then like Jay Z. The, the, and I know this is tangentially related, but Please. talk about retro, you know, dunks and uh-huh, things uh-huh. like that that were disappointing. The one, and I don't know if I've, I think I've said it, but I literally wore those purple and black fragment dunks one time and they folded the it up shoot oh yeah and that, listen i'm not a big like wasn't oh, the, the, the quality was i'm not even a big straight cheeks on those right i'm not even a big like oh the toe box yeah. first of all i like walk i kind of walk on my toes a little yeah, bit yeah. people always say really toe stepper 
Yeah, like that's, that's what people like. That's where the calves come stepper. from. That's what people have said, but you've definitely <laughs> said it. And, like my friends have said it. Like I kind of, I tend to okay. like walk. So Tip-toeing I'm never a big like the toe box is creasing or oh, I wore those once for like an hour and a half to two hours on the Pharrell shoot, and the toe box was basically like crinkled to all hell. I only wore them once, and it, that was like, like the Marianas trench was like <laughs> folding like envelopes under pressure. Yeah, like that was like on one recent time when I was like, damn. When people complain about quality, yeah, I know what they're saying. Yeah, I think I had that shoe and ended up selling it because that was at a moment where I was accruing so many just random. GR dunks and that fragment pair didn't feel that special. Well, needed. it was so funny because there was like the buildup to that. Yeah, our our good friend Mubi. Yeah, was trying yeah. to, or I don't know if he did, but was trying to unload that like what was it that that pink pair? Okay, that, an, an older fragment dunk. Yeah, yeah, and like people wait, s- the pink and yellow, the pink and yellow. Yeah. One. Oh, that's like, one that I'm waiting. Well, for that's still, the one that was like it, quality. it was going around. You Dr. know, you Moody. saw it on like you'd see it on hidden posted all the time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then everyone got super hyped for it, and then those shoes dropped, and then maybe Moby could find the dime Reebok uh, workouts that are lost, <laughs> lost in Greece. Some Greek shipping magnet has the, it the on the black his, uh, cat boat. dime Reebok workout. Yeah, what, low. what happened? People, okay, so, people who listen so, to this podcast, they haven't heard the story yet. What yeah. happened with your Reeboks? Because okay. I, I keep seeing you mention it, and I'm kind of like, okay, what is so he this talking is what about? Happened. He's in the this Mediterranean with it. What's going on here? Let me just find the Mediterranean, but tell me what's going on here. Yeah, so. It was a workout, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure. Okay, so. Dola Puma buying sneakers on the resale market. No, no. Okay. This is off the Reebok website. Which, <laughs> no, he which, Googled, hold on. You Googled Reebok and then got. <laughs> he just Googled Reebok. And then got sent to a. You know who I am, right? Ask Jeeves. I know. <laughs> Bing chat GPT. I know, AI. I know. I, I know. couldn't help you out. <laughs> oh, okay. wow. What wow. Happened? Wow. Okay. So. My first purchase of 2023 <laughs> was supposed to be the Dime Workout Plus Black Suede. Mm-hmm. I was dubbing it the Black Cat Reebok Workout. Have you guys <laughs> ever seen me in a Reebok Workout? I would love to, but no. Okay, so that was my first one. I think Mubi posted it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen you in a Reebok shoe. G-Units? I didn't wear the G-Units. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm um, no. Okay, so that was my first purchase of 2023. Uh-huh. And what happened... I was excited. It was cheap. I just went on the thing. I was like, and this are- is true. You Googled Reebok and you just clicked on the first link? Probably. I probably saw them on like Mubi's IG story. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I want those. And I put Dime Reebok workout and I ordered them. Um, and I ordered from the Reebok Grease site. Okay. <laughs> Were you on Teddy Santos's laptop? What was going no. on here, so, man? <laughs> I, so, you know. Shipment, I forgot that I got them, and then, like... Two... At what point did you realize that you were on the Reebok Grease website? Uh, when the the DHL stuff started popping up, and it was like, you know, it wasn't, like, stuck in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey. It was stuck in something, some place yeah. that I, I didn't recognize. Yeah. And then I finally was, called up... It was stuck in Gibraltar. Yeah, I just finally <laughs> called up Reebok U.S. customer service. I was like, hey, do you have any... Mm-hmm. Inside it, and they're like, "No, we don't work with that. We don't. We don't work with Reebok Grease." I'm waiting for these hundred and twenty dollars shoes or whatever, yeah. and then finally, literally, I'm gonna put this in here. Mm-hmm. All caps. We have received your return items, and they got went back to the Grease warehouse, and I they never wouldn't got let them. you have them. And now I'm Reebok over it. Grease wouldn't let you cook. Nah, now I'm <sighs> over it. So that was my first my first attempt <laughs> at a purchase of 2023. It didn't start out shoes. great. Yeah. Wow. But those are fire. I hope that they find their way to you somehow. <laughs> and listen, maybe my sneaker 
buying skills have to get a little better. No, know? I actually like this because this is the kind of story that you look for people when you're interviewing them and you say, oh, did you ever go to some great lengths to get a pair of shoes? Victor Cruz was on here talking about, um, I think he went Switzerland. to Switzerland, mm-hmm. right, to get a, a Jordan 1 or he sent somebody out there. And I, I want to you know, get the full story once this comes to its completion because I feel it's not done yet when Joe Puma actually goes to Greece and procures done. these Reeboks just, from a warehouse Just a follow somewhere doc, in Crete. A follow doc? A follow doc. Yeah, that could be. I just, I just like really imagined like we'll you, find a sponsor. You have some, you have some like grandson or whatever who's going to visit his grandparents in Greece, and he's forced to like stuff the shoes in his luggage and like personally like. Bring, do you think I would do that? Br- no, he's, he's, he, someone. You have someone who's uh, personally uh, bringing them back to you. Yeah, I think he might do that. Maybe Mubi hooks it up. <laughs> he should be so lucky. He he he. Uh, he doesn't owe me, but we had a great dinner that I got COVID with. That was the, the COVID dinner. The COVID dinner was with movie. <laughs> Wait, you got COVID at that dinner? Yep. I had no idea. Yep. When we were all together? Yep. This is why we don't invite you to dinner. I know. I respect it. This is why. This is, this is why you're it. always yeah. absent. I didn't, I, and that, that was the dinner. Great <sighs> dinner. Worth it. The meatballs were great. The COVID, not so great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We don't need a BAPE update, right? No. I'm obsessed with this. Go read what I wrote on the website. Yeah. Oh, two quick things, and then we can move on. Uh, okay. I just wanted to say, because I know we didn't talk about it um, the other day, but Seth Rollins wearing the, the big red boot. Mischief. Big what? red boot. How many more weeks do we have to talk about what's the over-under? Like, I have a couple. We have on a the couple big sh- red boot? We have a couple shoots this week. Are we going to ask about the red, big red boot? I'm he hit, off he it. Hit, okay. He hit Miz with the with the stomp. Yeah. You know I'm not into wrestling, so he's I, into wrestling more than me now. I think we watched the elimination chamber. I missed it. I, I Sami Zayn, unfortunately lost. But the other thing I want to talk about that I've been meaning to talk about for, for months on this show. Oh wow! Um, that I always it always keeps slipping my mind. Well, let's hear it. But it's the one. Cl- <laughs> this will be good. It's the this one clip that's making its uh, way around YouTube, and we haven't discussed it yet. So you know, you get recommended. You have the, no idea what this the is, YouTube right? shorts all the time. Is and it the Khaled? And, yes, and there's we one, talked about this. No, we didn't. We did not. I don't talk know. About, I, we did not talk about this on the podcast. We didn't. No, we talked about talking about it on the podcast. And okay, we never talked. about Go it. Go for it. So. You know, you get recommended the YouTube shorts, right? And there's mm-hmm. the super viral ones. Mm-hmm. And the one popped up, and it was like uh, the time that DJ Khaled annoyed Joe LaPuma. Yes. And it's it's from Khaled's actual sneaker shopping episode, yep. uh-huh. which most people don't remember because it's the it's the closets, which is the viral moment. The but the sneaker one. shopping where you went, where you were at Shoe, Shoe, Gall- Shoe Gallery mm-hmm. in Miami. In Miami yeah. yep. And that's when he starts making up all the names of the, yes. of the Jordans. And Joe's like sitting there... Trying to ask patient as he goes like this, but wait, but wait. He goes the leather, the leather. (laughs) You're you're trying to ask him a question. You keep on coming back, trying to circle back to it, and Khaled's just like making up stuff. I see it. I see it. (laughs) I think it has like millions of no nine hundred thousand on YouTube Shorts. I think. Let me tell you, he did not annoy me. Khaled doesn't annoy me. Khaled is great content, but this is a funny compilation. That was a great weekend. We shot the sneaker shopping and his closet in one weekend. It was mm-hmm. great. Pre-COVID, everything I'm was I'm still great. waiting for Khaled to... I'm still... Where's my camera? Right there? I'm mm-hmm. still waiting for Khaled to invite me back into the new closet. I know he has oh, a closet. Oh, I thought closet. you were going to say waiting for him to like come on our podcast or Oh, something. that too. That too. But I would go down to Miami and shoot that new closet. I know he has. He's always, uh, always restocking his collection with new things. I'm still trying to get into a part two... Actually, it would be part three because we did Assad's. Was, was there a time where you were like in the running to become like Assad's godfather or something like that? 
Um, no, but what? we brought him a cake for his birthday, and then we did Assad's. It's, it's a joke. Okay, yeah, totally joke. Yeah, Should but we <laughs> this is great. Having said all that, it's time for our guest. Let's do it. Our guest on today's podcast turned a summer job working at Foot Locker into an ever-evolving 30-year career in the industry where he held some of the most important jobs at your favorite footwear brands. He started at Nike as an entertainment rep before going to Vibe Magazine, where he would continue making relationships and honing his skills that would eventually land him titles of Global Footwear Product Director, Footwear Business Director, Global Merchandising Director, back at the Swoosh. He then would switch over to the Three Stripes as their senior director in 2018. There he was instrumental in the Pharrell, Beyonce, and other key endorsement projects. Today we'll get into all that history with our friend, Aster Chambers. Aster, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for doing this. It's great to be here. Been a long time coming. Long overdue. Last time I saw you, we were in... No, last, not the last time I saw you. Last time I saw you was ComplexCon, but I think the first yes. sit-down was me, you, and Wex. Uh, we went to Soho House in yes. West Hollywood. Yes. And you were at Adidas at the time. We're going to get into your history. Adidas was kind of like more recent, but man, you got a ton of history that we're going to dig into. Love it. Love it. Looking forward to it. It's good to see you all. Yeah. Because we were just talking about how, you know, he's been reaching out for mm -hmm. some time mm -hmm. to get me on the show, and timing just wasn't all in alignment, but now we are all the way if there's one thing I'm good at, it's bugging people who worked at footwear brands to talk that. to me. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's no bugging. I look forward to this. Beautiful. beautiful. I, like Joe said, it's good to see you because just even from the from the footwear alone, yeah. you know, obviously you're a great guy, but the, the footwear, we got to talk about the footwear mm. real quick because you brought something special, something yeah, spicy. Yeah, so I thought since I'm coming on the show, I don't mm. do this often since mm. I'm here. So these, I've heard that these have been talked about pretty wildly, these mm. denim threes. Um, which I actually, one of my stints uh, at Jordan when I was heading up footwear, yeah. I think one of the beauties of these roles is that sometimes you could spin some different things. Yeah. And I had a developer that I was working with on a multitude of projects, obviously, and I just had him spin these and a khaki pair, mm -hmm. which were great, but we only made like three pairs. So I kind 2008, of, 2009? Yes. Uh, no, more. Yes, it had to be right because 10 I, I left. So uh, we spun these. I kept them on ice and then wore them a couple times yeah. and not thinking anything of it. Years later, it was like, yo, there's these coveted threes, denim threes that were made in a tan pair, only three pairs each. Mm. And I'm like, oh, so this has become a thing now. Yeah. All right, well, I guess I need to figure out who has the other pair. Yeah. Do, do you <laughs> know who has the other? I have no clue. Okay. I know who has two of the three. Okay. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Do you ever think, you know, like having all those special shoes in, in the market for them in, in today's environment? Because, you know, everyone like PJ Tucker, Khaled, yes. everyone, everyone wants to acquire these shoes and flex. You know you have some of these shoes and you see the Sotheby's auctions and stuff like that in the back of your head. Are you ever like, I can just retire off of this one day and like, no, no, you know what? I, I think because I come from a time frame where I did this out of the love and the passion, mm. right? Like I call myself first generation footwear consumer, meaning we procured product as a means of expressing who we are. Mm -hmm. So everything that I had was a true expression of me. Like it was telling my story. So it never was like today cats are getting after shoes because I know I can get three, four, yep. eight times more for the shoe. You're not feeling that? Uh, in certain cases, I might. Mm -hmm. However, from the <laughs> beginning, it was more so a case of, no, these ex these are expression of me. There was something, a memory, a time, or a look on these that I'm like, this is me, yeah. right? So it's slightly different. So no, I've had slight conversations and people tell me, yo, your collection, what you could do with, and I'm like. But I mean, in the back of your head, you're like 20,000, like the, I guess stash, you know, it's like $20,000 is $20,000, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
Yeah, we got college tuitions coming up, so I mean, okay. this might be a conversation. You, know, you see, you see a little uh, khaki three go on Sotheby's, yeah. right? <laughs> Don't point to my man. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. exactly. It's exactly. the third person. Exactly. Yeah. That's the third exactly. Exactly. That's the third pair. You, you yep. found him. Yep. You found him. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Good on you. Mm -hmm. uh, Aster, we always talk about what everybody else is wearing. I feel foolish even talking about my shoes when you brought the denim Jordan threes on, but um, you know we have to check it off the list. So I got the concepts Mephisto match on. I wear these. Quite frequently, I'm doing some of my favorite um, Nike Air Maxes over the years, the yeah. uh, CDG 180s. 180s. Uh, shoe from another friend of ours, celebrating his 50th birthday. These are Hikmet's uh, Mizuno contenders. Happy birthday, Hikmet! Nope. Shouts to Hikmet. Hope you had some ice cream. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking, uh, Don. I think you want to want to kick it off because, like. The first thing, and, and looking at some of the podcasts you've done, and then even on like your your LinkedIn and stuff, is like the first thing was an entertainment marketing rep for Nike. It seems, but was that like no, nah, that wasn't. Um, actually, the first gig was an Ekin. Okay, I'm sure so you we were, were all very familiar with. Yeah. So we were wondering if that was the Ekin role, or Ekin came even before that. Ekin came before that, but even before the Ekin. I love the, this. I love this. The, yeah. There was, take a, there was a his, yeah. I'm gonna take yeah. you all the way back. So yep. born and raised here in New York. Mm -hmm. What did you just say? Laguardia. This dude. Come really on. Oh yeah, he's, he's short. Hey, let's Come get on. busy. Yeah, Laguardia High Cedric. School of the of the performing arts. So mm -hmm. for those who don't know, the fame school like Leroy dancing yeah. on tables, and so I went to that school as an art major. Um, was there for four years, senior high school, walking around the class, you know, in the hallways, and our senior class advisor was like, "Hey, Astor, I need you for something." Mm -hmm. I was like, "What's going on?" He was like, "I need you to take this lady around the school for the day." And I was like, "All right, I'll do it," thinking nothing of it. So I took her to all the different departments. Uh, she had a project to find the correlation between sports and arts. So I said, cool. Took her to dance, took her to our, our art area, took her to drama, took her to instrumental, took her to the vocal uh, department, and walked her all around for the day. At the end of the day, she was like, you know what? I really enjoyed your company. Would you mind coming by the office someday? So I'm like, okay. This is 96. I mean, yeah. well, no, this is 92. Okay. This is 92. Ending high school, about to go to college. And so as we're going through this, uh, she invites me down to the office, and I see these individuals who are like in from Portland, Oregon. I come to find out she works for Nike. Mm -hmm. And the people she brought in were these different designers who were coming to figure out why are people purchasing our shoes at the rate in which they are and not running or playing basketball yeah. in these. Like, in Beaverton, they had no idea, right. like, the why. So they would come out and do what we call focus groups. Mm -hmm. So they would have me come in and they would throw a ton of shoes on the table and just ask my point of view. This so is I, at the Nike office in New absolutely. York? Absolutely. And so this was before before it was over here on like 14th yeah. and now it's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It was a small brownstone on the upper, on the lower east side. Right. Great little quaint brownstone. And, you know, everybody would come in. I'd bring my people. So then I'd bring some of my friends from the, from the neighborhood mm -hmm. in to kind of talk about some shoes. And they had me on this rotation. When anybody came in town, I would take them around to different courts, different neighborhoods, different people to engage on, okay, but why did you buy that? Like, what was yeah. it? And you're not playing in them. And, I, I and that's what it. I love. One of your earliest points during those times were like, we were running shoes not to run in. And it was this whole thing. And I think to your point, like in Portland, they're always thinking function, function, function. 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 And they were tapping you to be like, we are wearing running shoes not to run in them. Boom. And now it sounds like so, like, duh. But yeah, it was obvious at this point. Sounds yeah. so obvious. But to see it, like, in the neighborhood and, and what you were saying, it must have been like a wake-up call for them. A major wake-up call. And I think that's also the beginning of how some of youth culture started to birth itself, mm -hmm. right? Because at that point, you have consumers deciding 
how they want to implement this into their daily regimen and their life yeah. and their lifestyle, which started this culture that they, again, because Nike is so sharp, innovation, yeah. function, this is what it's being made for, which that authenticity was needed for it to hit the way that it did for then consumers to say, but I want to appropriate it for me yeah. and my style and wear it this way. And that was the beauty of that marriage that started the beginning of this culture mm -hmm. that we are all very much aware of. We right. all live in, we all work in. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where it really started. So I literally then went off to college yeah. and they had me doing surveys. I was handing out surveys at college and mm -hmm. I'm getting paid no money, but being a sample size nine, oh. there was a certain level of compensation. The that packs no, coming in. No, so you're the, getting Jordans before they came out and stuff like that? In college? In college. Which, I, which, which ones? I remember the eight. I okay. will never forget this. I went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, mm -hmm. historically black university mm -hmm. on the Eastern Shore Peninsula of Maryland. So it has a, a large contingent of kids from Baltimore, D.C., New, very small New York. It mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of us from New York. Philly, all over. So the D.C. and Baltimore contingent, I mean, fashion was a big thing for D.C. and Baltimore. Like, they set the tone, and I got to see that whole look and that whole vibe. And so I was getting the eights before they even came out. So now, remember, at this time, as we're growing up, when a new Jordan came out. Come on. Like, it was a thing. No, that was a major thing. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing where somebody would get them before coming out, mm -hmm. which is now common. Yes. Sure. You're seeding yes. on people before something hits the market. That wasn't a thing then. It was like, no, we're all waiting until, what was it, Saturday morning? Yep. Saturday mornings for this thing to drop. That's the only time you're going to see it live. You know, I'm walking around the campus with the eights. In and this, college, in though. college. I would, I would argue that having cool sneakers in college is better than even having like early sneakers in high school. Yeah, that's college, the apex it's right like, there. Yeah. You're scrapping. No, yeah, come on, come college on, you're is totally different. So I'm walking around the campus with the eights and they're like, yo, are those the new, what is it? Because you also got to think about the, the design ethos of the eight. It was so very different mm -hmm. yes. with the straps, mm -hmm. right? So coming off the seven and the six, to see that for the first time, somebody's like, is that a what is that? Yeah, and then it's like, oh yeah, no, no, these are the the eights. They're like, oh, here you go again, man. Enjoy <laughs> people taking care of you. Just a couple I had months. Built, I'd already built this reputation, right? And yeah. reputation is reputation where they've seen me do this mm -hmm. already with other shoes, but now to see me with a Jordan, it's like, you done did it. Something's going on. Again. Yeah. So four years of that, you got to love this story. My family's from Jamaica, mm -hmm. so my mother and father came here early '70s, and they came with the the vision that every and anything is possible, right? So I didn't have a lot of the the weight and the barriers of things that are not possible because of the color of your skin or where you lived, da, da, da. So I always knew everything was possible. But when I graduated from college, my mom was like, look, Nike needs to give you a job. I'm like, oh, why? Look, you, you've made them millions of dollars with the insight, insight. Mm -hmm. and the things that you provide. I'm like, mom, look, don't ruin a good thing here. I'm getting these shoes. <laughs> yeah. I get to go to the office. I get to do all these things. Like, don't mess with a good thing she was like no they need to give you a job so what did i do as a, a young man who listens to his parents i said all right so i called my friend who the young lady who first met at high school mm -hmm. who i now built a significant relationship with and she's still one of my dear dear friends to this date betsy parker mm -hmm. amazing human being um sister to eventual well, we're, we're, we're gonna CEO. get to all that okay, because okay, all, okay. you got to look at all, all these seeds and how they all yeah, will start yeah, playing yeah. and the weaving yeah, into yeah, yeah. Our, our, yep. our quilt here um so betsy now she's counseling me on this summer in terms of hey if you want to work for nike you should work retail get some retail experience so every summer 
um, from college, I come home and work at Foot Locker. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I was at Foot Locker on 34th when that was the mecca. Oh, like, man. so many people. Are like, so that's another funny story. Yeah. Because working <laughs> we, the sales. We got floor, Foot Locker yeah. or sneaker retail stories yeah. for days. Yeah. He was guys. in New Hampshire, not the 34th Street <laughs> one, but he was. Right. He, okay. But so I'm on 34th Street working one summer. I think it might have been my junior or sophomore year. I don't remember the year, but the carnivores dropped. Yeah. And the carnivores dropped in the original colors of the green, black, and yep. purple. Mm-hmm. But then I had on the black and purple before they came out. Yeah. So yeah. could you imagine me on the sales floor yeah. at Foot Locker 34th yeah. Street wearing these shoes and my manager's like, dude, you can't do this. Everybody's looking at your shoes. So and they finish line, yeah. right? And they Betsy want Betsy said I can. Right. 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 But, but here's the problem, Joe, they can't convert that into right. sales. They used yeah. to, so when I would try to wear at finish line, when I would try to wear Jordans that were from athletes foot, they right. made a got they might have got a different colorway or a mom and pop store. Because it matched the uniform, they'd be like, can't wear them. And I would try every single time. So look, yeah. it, it, it's the beauty and the curse, right, of, mm-hmm. of getting the heat. So essentially, I would do that every summer. Because Betsy recommended that mm-hmm. to set you up for a job, um, you need to have some real ex- retail experience. So I said, cool. So I graduated from college. Uh, I interviewed for an Econ role that happened to be in New York, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Um, and didn't get it. Didn't get the first Eakin role that I interviewed for. And people, just in case they don't know, Eakin is a Nike product specialist. Correct. Eakin Nike spelled backwards. backwards. Yeah. Nike spelled product, backwards. Everybody started as an Eakin yeah. in the company, right? You, you go all the way the, back to like a Phil Knight. You have to get the swoosh tattoo somewhere. You don't have to, but I've been around in many ceremonies where yes. people were getting them, and I definitely opted out for and, that. Oh, wow. And going back to Eakin, going back to Eakin, when you were working retail, I remember working retail, being on Nike Talk, and... You know, when you're working retail, you get the knowledge of some things that, like, when you're not working at a sneaker store, you, yeah. you wouldn't have the knowledge. But when you would hear the word Eakin, that was like... That was huge. Oh, that Eakin's coming in. Exactly. Know. Eakin's yeah. coming My in. Eakin, I need to build a relationship exactly. with them so I can get a job. And exactly. Like, no, it was a whole thing. Yeah. And so I built a portfolio of potential candidates who worked at different retail spots who the company could tap to become the next potential Eakin because there were mm. so many people that were like, look, I would love to do what you're doing. I'd love to get into the company. How do you do it? I said, well, you become an Eakin, and you're already one step ahead by having retail experience. You're already like making your way towards this. So in not getting the first job, I was like, cool. But they were like, we brought somebody else in who had a little bit more experience, and what we want you to do is shadow them. Mm-hmm. So I shadowed them for six months, and I don't know if you have this piece of information, who that individual was. His name is Laz Alonzo. I don't know if you know who Laz is now. Laz is a prominent actor who was in Avatar. I mean, he was in tons of movies, as you will look him up, still a dear friend Mm -hmm. to this day. He was the gentleman who got the first Eakin role. So I shadowed Laz for like six, three months, three to four months. And New York was obviously a very key market, so it had multiple Eakins in it. So Laz was doing um, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, uh, not Long Island, in Jersey. Okay. North Jersey. So his counterpart did Manhattan, Harlem, up, up, it's all the same, yeah. uptown, yeah. and then um, Long Island. And so that person left, and then I came in and took that role. Mm-hmm. So I got that role about six months out of college, and that was the start of my Nike career, my career within this footwear industry and culture. Um, so it started way, way before that Eakin role, but it really started from the planting of that seed in that moment and that opportunity that you talk about seizing the opportunity. You did, I didn't mm. know what it was, but it was being present in that moment to build a relationship with somebody who would then help pour into me and direct me in terms of how I can get into this and succeed and then be an advocate for me in rooms that I'm not present in. Yeah. So this is your whole like MJ not making the basketball team 
moment and then just fueling your fire. Essentially. It's also the MJ, like, MJ's mom being like, the deal has to be right. Boom. That's what it reminds me of a little Boom. bit. Perfect. You know? Boom. You know? Perfect. Reminds no, me a little bit. It, it, oh, it, it was no, always it's to all give the way you a there. job. All the way there. When, and when, I, when your mom told you that, did you feel at all like she was right and that the imbalance was there of you were giving Nike more than you were getting back? Because I always think about kind of the relationship Nike has with these consumers yeah. where they make stuff for them and they market stuff to them, but are they giving enough? You know Boom. what I mean? I think it was 1,000% that because... There was an imbalance? Well, no, her view. You Got asked it. about her view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think her view was one of, wait a minute, I'm, I'm hearing more about Nike more than I ever did before. Nike's becoming a huge company. Mm. I see it on all these kids. I see all these things happening. Wait, is there any correlation to what you might be doing and you're not getting compensated? You've never told me about a check, which it wasn't about that. It was, sure. it was like, a, it was like a, a glorified internship. It was like sure. the beginning of an internship program. And so I felt my compensation for what I was getting then was fine. She saw it as, okay, but now it needs to step up and reflect a little bit more of what they are getting off of this. You now need to be able to benefit in some enhanced way than you have been right. in the past. I think it was all the way that. It wasn't saying that they were taking full advantage of you or sure. anything to that degree because they did uh, they did well by me yeah. for sure. I mean, they had me my freshman year of, of, uh, of college. They flew me out to be in a sales meeting presentation. Wow. In Portland? No, so, well, they always had sales meetings in different cities. So okay. I think this was Arizona. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I flew into Arizona, and I was on stage with one of the product leads talking about apparel and why we wear yeah. the things that we do and yeah. why color matters and why material matters and yada, yada, yada. And I'll never forget another funny story. At that sales meeting, Trevor Edwards had just started mm -hmm. with Nike. And still to this day, he always tells a story of, Aster, one of the most inspiring things for me when coming to Nike was being able to see somebody on stage that looked like me that was awesome. young. Now remember, Trevor's a grown man. This is a yeah. man with a job now. He yeah. has a job at Nike. Yeah. But he sees this and he found that to be so inspiring for him and welcoming him to work at this brand and be a part of it in such a significant fashion. And look where his trajectory went. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, so um, so many of those moments. Um, but yeah, the Eakin job then took me into uh, entertainment marketing where that was the first time ever that entertainment marketing had a role outside of the Marina Del Rey office. So I don't know how familiar you are with the, but that was like another iconic mm -hmm. yeah. thing of, oh, I get to go to the to the LA Nike office and, and walk the room and get all the gear yeah. and do all the things. A lot of the Hollywood connections. Oh, all the, there, so yeah. it was all Hollywood. So it was TV, um, movies, and music yes. were all based. Was you a woman named like Tracy or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Tracy, what was her? Uh, I don't know. But it was uh, Nikita who was uh, on the music side, who was my boss. Mm -hmm. And then there was somebody who was doing TV. So everybody would go to Marina Del Rey in L.A., and that would be the Nike office. Mm. We had to create some form of a presence on the East Coast, because you think about it in 98, this is when, from a music culture standpoint, East Coast was, yes. was it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this was the mecca. And Nike played such a significant role in the lives of some of these icons, mm -hmm. or soon-to-be icons, and we needed somebody to build these relationships yeah. and have these contacts. And now, more context... This was not when brands were paying people. Right. There was no paying mm -hmm. of somebody to be a brand ambassador. This was solely based off of there's an alignment, there's a connection, there's an authentic bond where these individuals want to be a part of because it rounded out, again, their brand perception and yeah. image, i.e. a fab yeah. or things to that degree. Ja right. Rule. A job, yeah. right? A Eve. Yeah. I mean, these are all the people that I built relationships with at the early stages of their lives so and, they were doing it in Hollywood, you were doing it in New York. I was doing it in New York, but I was just music. 
So LA was again music on the West Coast, TV, all T, all things TV, all things movie. I was just the one individual doing music from the East Coast. So I had to own New York. That yeah. was really the main part of my job description. Ensure that you're fully, fully entrenched in the culture of music and what's taking place and build those relationships and work them through so that we have these brand advocates who are now out in the respective communities and worlds as extensions of our brand. And so for me, dope opportunity, coming yep. from New York, mm -hmm. coming from LaGuardia, mm -hmm. where now a number of my colleagues are what? In the industry now, sure. yeah. mm -hmm. right? Whether they're artists, whether they're executives. Right. Right. Yeah. So one of my best friends in the whole wide world to this day, Rob Walker, he graduated from LaGuardia, gets into the music business, and he's now trying to break this, this production group called the Neptunes. Hmm. So he's bringing them up to New York in the studio. I'm coming to the studio with boxes of product to these two dudes wearing nothing but polo. Mm. When, when is this? So this is 98, 98, yeah. 99. And so this Super is even thug, before, yeah, right. this is right before Super Thug, okay. Okay. right? Oh, wow. So this, um, this is what I'm telling you, this is like way before yeah. any of this even hit. So this yeah. is the ground swelling. What are you giving Pharrell and Chad back in the that's day? A, that's a great question. <laughs> it, it was basic, not basic, it was Jordans. Yeah. It was all the things that we had in the portfolio that resonated, but it wasn't to like the Pharrell taste. Right now, we're like, if got you it. send them something, you got to think it through. <laughs> what now, if, what, yeah. now it, then it was just like, no, just get them some hot stuff because you got to remember the mindset then. They're just getting started. Nobody knows who they are. So for their manager, Rob, to have this Nike dude come in yeah. with boxes of Nike, it's like, yo, we didn't made it. Was it like you getting the shoes at college when Ja Rule and Eve and Fab and Pharrell and, and Chad were on the come up, you bringing boxes of shoes? What was their reaction like? Even though they were about to blow up crazy, was like to get free shoes such a big thing for them? They made it. Yeah. Yo, to come to the Nike office and to get a package, mm -hmm. like that was a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I, and I love Jada to this, like there's certain favorites. <laughs> No, listen, there's certain favorites, and Jada was one. Like, coming to the office to get a package, the level of joy, the level of joy yeah. and appreciation was on 1,000%. Mm. Where I think that piece has, has gone, I did witness it recently with Adidas, Jonah Hill. Oh! He was excited. So, like, some, what? what was it? No, when we worked on his product line, yeah. the level of appreciation that he showed every meeting wow i mean it was so humbling it was one of the most beautiful things ever forget about what the product looked like forget about what we delivered to the marketplace his appreciation for the process mm. the product and the ability was reminiscent of that what you just asked me and i when, bet that inspi re-inspires you even absolutely yeah. it, re it reminds you of our why mm -hmm. and you know when you remember your why you never lose your way a young mm. lady a wise young lady always told me and when those moments happen, you remember the why. Mm. You don't get caught up in all the noise that's around you. But yeah, back in the day, them getting a package was significant. Put it in context, um, when I took the entertainment marketing role, Nike Town was just opening up. So I had trained all Nike Town in my Eakin job. Okay. Now I'm coming to, all right, well, we're, we're about to open this thing up. What can we do? Well, I got this young lady, Eve, who she'll come perform for free. Do, 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 do. Should come have, having a relationship mm -hmm. with her management team and all. This is what this is where the culture was then. Mm -hmm. Well, Jada called himself the Don and Nike Town, right? Yeah, you, like you might have you might have planted that. How about that? About <laughs> so, yeah. And his Nike Town was coming to the office to get the packages. <laughs> um, so, but like a Jada, a Ja, a Fab, you know, and Clue was the one that 
orchestrated Desert the whole Storm. fab thing. Yeah, so let's let's make sure that's very clear. Yeah. Like and and I applaud a clue, clue for this because he utilized his access to put his guy on and position his guy to then be able to benefit. Normally, people with something like this would do what? Oh no, this is this is my connect. Yeah. I'm not allowing somebody else to come in and get a piece of this. No sir. Yeah. Clue was the complete opposite. Hey, I got my guy. I need you to take care of him. So in the peak of that era when Jay-Z's rapping about Air Force Ones mm -hmm. and all that, did Nike have a connection to him through that? It was an interesting one with, with Jay. It wasn't um, super formal, um, but you got to understand where Jay and team come from. Like, they created that monster mm. on their own. Mm. That wasn't brand affiliated. Like, Air Force Ones and all that was their thing. They just got down like that, which was even more beautiful, yeah. yeah. to be honest. It was not a, like a, a brand thing. It was like an authentic thing. And if you look at what he represents now, yeah. it all makes sense. Yeah, He's been doing this chess game for years and then makes it work for him when it's appropriate to do so, which I love. Do you remember meeting Fabulous for the first time? Uh, yes, came in the office, you know, young cat, just uh, appreciative of all the things, appreciative for the time to be mm -hmm. able to, because again, you're coming into the Nike office. I know now it seems like such a whatever thing. Yeah. It's a whatever thing, but then. He might come to the Nike office with Adidas. On. Yeah. That's you know, geez, that, that, that's, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Breaking sorry. down those barriers. Yeah, huh? you know? Well, you're not an employee, so you can yeah. do what you can, what you yeah. want to do, but just Thank from you. a respect <laughs> thing, it might be. Yeah. It might be the right thing to do. It might be the right thing to do. It's a free society. Yeah, listen, look. Yeah, don't. I am who I am. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm a be exactly. Be. I got it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it was. It, it was. It was a different time. It was a really special, different time. When Clue would be like, "Hey, one of my guys needs this shoe. How long would it take for you to get?" Them? It, it would depend. Great question. If it was something that we already had an inventory, because I also had to build out a small storage mm -hmm. room and facility in the office. So I remember I had a, it was a cage. Is that like the infamous cage that we all hear about that like throughout the years, like I just remember being in passing, like hearing about like, oh, we got him out of the cage or the cage, people came through, I went in the cage and got the yes. seating. Yes. Well, I describe describe that for like for people I mean, who may not know. The cage was, was probably half of this space. It okay. wasn't huge. So I didn't have a full on inventory of everything. I kept very minimal white whites okay. um, because, you know, that was pretty accessible from a retail standpoint. And I just tried to bring in uh, some of the product that I thought was really going to resonate with some of our influencers and some of these um, these uh, advocates or, or artists that we were working with. And so I would do probably, you know, a size run of two of every size and just have it in. But I had to build a cage because yeah. you don't want things yep. coming up missing. Mm -hmm. And so it probably at times I might have had 20 different SKUs. In there, so it wasn't crazy, but yeah. I also had to have an understanding of the product line, right? To be able to identify what are the models that are going to make sense, because mm -hmm. you can't and you shouldn't just give anything to everybody. What were anybody. some? We know, like you just said, white on whites, but um, what were some that you remember back then? Because it wasn't so church to say Jordans mm -hmm. were huge, yep. and then you've got anything from Max ninety fives to ninety okay. sevens. I mean, things to that degree yeah. are what we kind of had in there to make sure we were giving out carnivores, all the things that were leading the this new culture mm -hmm. as we know it today, which is so not new. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to make sure I had that presence of product to start seating on people. And then it was it was big throwback. It was jerseys. Yep. It was big jerseys. It was accessories. So even if you didn't land a shoe, because we did a lot of things where I would build a ton of relationship with stylists. Okay. So like the June Ambroses of the world. Mm -hmm. And 
at certain times it was like, yo, can you just send us some headbands or wristbands? Everyone they, was wearing they, them. They yep. would all wear them in these different shoots. So it was significant. In, in that era, because I think it's interesting to kind of like go back to then because nowadays with sneaker blogs and Instagram and everything, everybody knows every single shoe. And they know every collaboration yep. and every colorway. But I feel like in that era, it's like you knew Jordans, you knew Air Max, and you were into shoes, but you didn't necessarily know every single sneaker release, or you didn't have the information to know that. Like Nike's releasing this shoe in this colorway, and these are all all the models. So it's like in that era when you were getting people the sneakers, were they like, was everyone really up on every single model or were you kind of like more introducing them to the product at the time and being like, this is what's going to be cool? A little bit of both. I mean, there were things that you knew would resonate and there were things that you had an idea because you're also dealing with somebody who's coming from this, mm-hmm. right? I, I lived this as mm-hmm. well. So there were things that were resonating with me that I would think, oh, okay, this is going to work for a Jada. Oh, they're going to understand. Trainer NC yeah. thinks that I degree. They're going to they're gonna get it. If they haven't seen it already, they're going to understand. And then sometimes they'd put in requests. So yes, mm-hmm. there was a knowledge at this point where people were already gravitating to certain models. Um, but it was a little bit of both, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Did your life change when Fab shouted you out on a rap song? <laughs> I, I think it, it, it put me... <laughs> I get my the, kicks the target, from the, the target was more on the back of, oh, so that's the guy. Yeah. That's, like keeping a gangster, right? That's yeah. who yeah. Yeah. keeping a gangster, gangster. Where, where Fab shouted me out. And like that wasn't something discussed. That mm-hmm. was just something out of love. Like Fab just felt like showing his level of appreciation, which he didn't have to do. Um, very thankful to him. And even to this day, it's all love whenever we see each other and a, and a huge, huge amount of appreciation um, on both ends. Um, but nah, it was just like, it didn't change, it just the, the, the access and the, oh, okay, so that's the guy. Some people actually thought it was a sneaker store. Have you heard that story? Like people no. thought Astor was Wow, like Astor Place or something. They were like, oh, so I gotta go to Astor to get the hot joints before they, they come out. Yeah. So that alleviated some of the, the pressures of people coming hmm. to me. Keep them off your tail, right? right? Keep them <laughs> off my tail. So yeah, so, so, so that was, that was a beautiful thing for him to do. And I think... Great album, too. Great, I remember great album. being in college listening to that album on loop. On repeat. Ugh. On repeat. So the, the fabs of the world were, were, were great. You know, another part of that role, which, again, I think was at, as a catalyst for what you now see, is I created a influencer seating program. And what I did was we started with... We did New York, Atlanta, L.A., and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we had key individuals. We had one individual in each one of those who would own identifying 10 people in your city, within your, you know, your village, who you deem as a person that everyone looks up to for whatever reason, that upon associating them with the brand and seeding them with product, people are going to want to gravitate to the product more. I'm breaking it down like this because this is the essence of what Influencer truly was about. And again, this was in 98, 99. Right? So we set this program up. So I'll never forget, in New York, we had a gentleman by the name of Rob Love who worked at Def Jam. He assembled his. In Atlanta, I had an amazing friend, Shanti Das, who's now doing her wellness journey of um, shame to silence, um, silence to shame mm-hmm. from a wellness standpoint. So she was in Atlanta. Chicago, I had my man Happy was heading that up. And then in LA, I forgot the gentleman's name. And in each one, they identified these 10 individuals. So on a quarterly basis, I would fly to each city. And I would sit down with all these influencers and I'd hand them out the shoes that they were going to be wearing that I, we would then ask for the surveys back, similar to what I did in college, yeah. <laughs> the surveys back of what people thought. And it was a very, very smart move for us as a brand because it was extending outside of just the talent, right? We knew that there was this next layer of individuals who can influence 
their peers and their respective neighborhoods in an authentic way. So what comes out of this program? I look back 10 years later and I'm like, yo, do you know who we had in the Atlanta one? Lala, mm, Ludacris, before anybody knew like wow. who they were. But you know who stole the show was Chicago. So Happy had John Monopoly. Uh, that Don, crew. No, uh. listen, the whole crew. Don C, Woody White, yeah. Kanye. Ivan. Ivan wasn't, no. Okay. Ivan was not in. Okay. But, but this was the crew that, so I've had a relationship with them way beyond. We're this. trying to get John Monop here. Monop is amazing, we bro. We need him. And Monop was such a visionary there. I mean, Hustle was already in yeah. play. Like, they were all part of that Hustle crew. Was Virgil someone in that? No, show? not yet. This, okay. I mean, again, this is, young, right? yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this is 99, 90, mm -hmm. like, so when you look at the individuals that came from this program, they turned and they really started the blueprint for influencers. Chicago kids. They Sh call themselves the Chicago, Chicago kids, kids and that group. So wow. that was another one where I look back and I say, all right, that was something that triggered another whole culture that we talk about of influencer marketing. I mean, to the fullest. It wasn't about how many, because there was no social media. So there's no like, this how many followers they have and that validates them being an yeah. influencer. It was more so what they represented within their respective areas of importance in their respective neighborhoods and villages and how can they continue to influence others through the lens of being associated with Nike in some way. Super powerful. How stressful was it though to like be the sneaker plug? Because I'm sure like every, yeah. it, it, as great as it is like working with everyone, it's like you're the person who your phone is probably blowing up all the time with everyone wanting everything from you. So, and, and I think you asked that question in the context of how we live today and everything being so accessible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back then, it wasn't so accessible. Like if you didn't catch me out at a party, or if you didn't have my cell phone, how else were wasn't you really... a DM slide? There wasn't no the right. It, there wasn't anything like that. So yeah. the stress level wasn't heavy as if today I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, like Reggie and Dawn. I mean, yeah. more power to I love you both. Shout out to Dawn Baxter. Yeah. Dawn Baxter. So I helped Dawn get that job. Remember, she came after me to mm. get that job. So mm. I helped position Dawn into that role because she and I. I hope had... we can have Dawn Baxter on here one day. Oh, oh that you would will. be Let amazing. Dawn, Dawnie B. Let, oh wait, well, circumstance. We'll, we'll figure something. We need that. Out. Yeah. Yes. Dawn is an amazing human being, though. Yeah. So, so yeah. It, it was. Um, I was talking about. You were asking me about the like the access. No, it, it was a different time. I mean, two way pagers. You had to have somebody's number to actually access, and unless okay. somebody gave them that number, you can't really get at an individual like that. So it was different. Mm -hmm. It was different. So I didn't feel too much. As plus, I'm enjoying yeah. what it is I'm doing, and I'm seeing. The benefit, I'm seeing how it's adding a layer of credibility to the brand in a very authentic way. So it, it was different. Now, if you ask me that today, like I just said, for like mm -hmm. a, a Regina Dawn, I couldn't imagine. You got enough on your hands of me sliding in the LinkedIn messages. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, right? You know how much history this guy has? Oh. He, we, we've been here for half an hour already, and we're still in like 99. We still like... Yeah, no, listen. This listen. is all the things you achieved in the last millennium. The, right, it was, and that was my first stint at Nike because then I, I leave Nike mm -hmm. um, and I go work for Vibe for four years, which was amazing. That that was a sales mm -hmm. job that I took and, that, and it helped me to get some experience in you know selling, moving. Because I think that in, in many of us, there's an element of a marketer and a salesman in all of us. So mm -hmm. learning how to sell you know physical publications sure. and culture. Because yep. I had to sell the culture before I can even sell the magazine. And a lot of these companies were benefiting off the culture, but not having a presence in front of the culture. So I had to help bridge that gap and close it 
um, to try to help generate revenue for the book. So did that for four years, which was great. And then based off of seeds that were planted in the entertainment marketing role, Pharrell now has become mm-hmm. the Pharrell that we all know. And he said to you, he said to you, he remembered you. He said, when I, something like you, I'm paraphrasing, but you tell the story. He said something like, when I do sneakers, you're the guy. Or like, you're coming with me, right? Uh, he told me, we, yes. We, we had, I caught up with him, Rob and the crew. And they were like, yo, we're about to do this, this clothing line. We're going to call it Billionaire Boys Club. And we're going to do ice cream footwear. I said, well, come on, this is right up my alley. He said, say less. Once I get the deal. You're the guy. Mm. He gets a licensing deal with Reebok. I then become a Reebok employee, and I'm the brand director for Billionaire Boys Club and Ice Cream. So essentially, I'm launching and putting the business plan together, the marketing plan, the PR plan, and we're utilizing all the resources within the Reebok ecosystem mm-hmm. to pull this off. So I'm the liaison between him, Nigo, and Reebok, essentially, and the strategy business guy that's kind of making this engine run. And that too, another amazing, amazing experience. And it was during the time when Reebok had S. Carter yes. and 50s. Mm-hmm. So the point of differentiation though, those were product deals. Like they owned, they created all that. We came with a licensing deal, meaning we, we're coming with our likeness that we just need your assistance to help drive and scale according yeah. to the plan we're rolling out. Resources. So that was a small, yeah. yeah, the resources. So that was a small nuance that sometimes got a little bit murky. When did you meet Nigo? Oh, when did I meet Nigo? Did I meet him here or Japan? Um, I don't remember exactly when I met him, but then was spending tons of time with him because yeah. every year we were going to Japan probably three to four times a year. So were the Nike lawyers around back then? No, were they? Were they on his neck? <laughs> I don't remember if they I'm were on his neck. I'm obsessed with this right then. now, so yeah, I have no, to ask No, I don't everybody. remember <laughs> if they were on his neck at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I do remember when that happened, but I don't remember if it coincided with when Wait, you we remember were... when it happened? Was it when I first was at Nike? My fr- no, actually, this was later. This was later. Oh wait, I need I need to know. This was later. I feel it was later when I came back from my second stint yeah. at Nike that it was the heavy yo. Nike's going after everybody mm. that has any silhouette that feels or looks close to. It definitely was my second stint because that was also during Gourmet. Oh, okay. this was oh, all Gourmet, I, Gourmet, Gourmet, yeah, yeah. Greedy Genius. Because like, I that. was heading up Jordan Footwear when the Gourmet piece. So. My first interaction like with Buscemi, Buscemi, oh, yeah. Buscemi <laughs> which no, it's a lot, and I don't yeah. even know if he remembers this because yeah. he and I have reconnected years, uh, a couple years ago when I was at Adi, because trying to explore bringing him on to be a creator over there. But I was like, wow, the irony of this. My first interaction um, or dealings with him was we got to shut down Gourmet because it's yeah, way too close. To, it's way too close to mm. that of the identity of uh, Jordan. That's when they product. were doing the blue kind of like canvasy. I had a beautiful pair of those they Jordan Seven. I, yeah. tw- I think yeah. they did the twelves. Twelves, the twelves yeah, are beautiful. I, I that's, had the what blue, that's, that's what pops my yep, head all the time. I had the blue twelves in canvas. Yeah. So it was during that time that I had to be a part of that team to uh, I don't want to say shut it down, but yeah. seek the bad out. News. Yeah. yeah, so I'm thinking the Nego piece was during that time, to answer your question. Were there question. whisperings inside Nike about that? About? Them trying to go after Bape. Was it an open conversation? I don't know if it was so much open. It yeah. was just definitely a topic of, yeah. like, there. there's a lot of noise and connection that they're making yeah. to consumers that feels like it's an overlap of what we are trying to create and do uh, from a Nike standpoint. So um, I do remember that being a thing. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely a thing. And I, I wasn't fully involved. For sure. In, like in I said, I'm combos. just obsessed with right, it right no, no, now. I love so. it. I, <laughs> I want to go back, though, to BBC Ice Cream and the sneakers. Do you remember the Drop It Like It's Hot video and Pharrell putting the sneakers? Oh. 
Absolutely. Talk about that. They blurred them out, I think, on BET or whatever. But I asked Pharrell about them. What do you remember about like that moment? It's like a moment. In, it's etched in you know, history. It, it was, again, it was another moment where you realize you have to utilize the resources that are at your disposal. Mm -hmm. If somebody as iconic and as big as Pharrell, let's take advantage of all this. And Pharrell is the consummate brand ambassador for the things that he gets behind. Mm -hmm. right? So he is a walking billboard, for lack of a better term in the most authentic way. So he wanted to make sure these things, I mean, even in his verse with, on the on the Snoop, it was a Snoop yeah, joint, yeah. where he had the verse. CD's um, Ice Cube, CD's Ice Cube, come on, yeah. so. Or pay three and get yourself some Babesters. Yeah. Yeah, right. Still on it. <laughs> so so yeah, yeah. he was, that moment was just reflective of Pharrell doing what he knew was mm -hmm. needed and necessary to make this the thing that he envisioned. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I will always love him for that in many things, because mm -hmm. that's another human being that's amazing in terms of his spirit, um, in terms of his creativity, in terms of him knowing where his gift comes from yeah. and his why. I mean, like, he's so locked in right now. I mean, another beautiful announcement. Yeah. Louis Vuitton. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very beautiful, beautiful. And yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the impact that he has that goes way beyond the amazing runway shows and collections that he's going to create. There's a huge impact that P can have that will go way beyond that. Amazing. Way beyond that. Way beyond that. So we were at B was there something you were asking about the BBC or just that moment I remember when like you know the you, I felt like everything was building up. You were entertainment marketing and seeing yep. people, but then like to have that song and that close up of the shoes, just like it, probably you were having these moments where you were behind it and you were seeing a lot of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Take fruition See, and come seeing, to fruition. Seeing come, yeah, come to fruition and just seeing the way that. We could be as disruptive as possible mm -hmm. with ice cream in particular. Because when you look at the design, look yep. at the box, mm -hmm. right, of the, the ice cream carton type of deal. Yeah. And then the graphics that were being used. It was even a point where we were like, all right, well, how about the shopping experience for a consumer when they buy this? What can we do differently? Mm -hmm. So we we seeked out. At that point, Kid Robot was just like a small yeah. toy store yeah. down in the village. Yep. And we are like, wait a minute. You know, in this toy culture and industry... They, too, have very much of a cult following similar to that of footwear. Could we maybe tap into that mindset and maybe do a blind buy where a kid goes in, they don't know what color they're going to get, but just hmm. buy the shoe, right? And these were the beepers and cigarette yes, shoes? And the beep, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So we were like, hey, let's go see what Kid Robot thinks about it. And we did it. Uh, we didn't do the blind buy piece, but we were selling the footwear through Kid Robot, which at that point was like, wow, that's so dead. Who does that? Especially trying to explain that to like a big footwear corporation like Reebok, like, hey, we're not going to sell your shoes like in Foot Locker. And exactly. Whatnot. Well, we, we still went the traditional I, I, route of I know boutiques. The, yeah, you went boutiques. boutiques. Yeah. And then later on, the shoes, the, the board flip two was available. Like, and we did more scalable. That yeah. was a more accessible. You could buy that at brand. Finish yes. Line, et cetera. Um, and that was Terry Kennedy, I think we had oh, wow. behind that. But yeah, we just want to look at different ways mm. to disrupt the market in a way that we can add another level of an experience around the procurement of product, right? It wasn't just, nothing is ever transactional with you know special individuals like a Pharrell and what they do. It shouldn't be transactional, yeah. it should be an experience. It should be a connection with consumers and that's what we try to do with all that. How did you land back at Nike after that? So, was doing the BBC thing and then had our first child and I got a call from this some- is Bobby? Bobby, yeah, mm. Bobby. I got a call from somebody saying, hey, look, it's time for you to come back home. We, we got this gig that we think you'd be great for. We'd love to have you. Um, it's heading up sportswear, at that point they called it Urban, for North America, which is code word for you need to manage the Air Force One business. This mm -hmm. is now at a point where Air Force One business alone was a billion dollars. Wow. 
Air Force One business at that point was a billion dollars on its own. 70 to 80% of that was what? White whites. No way. So of course, yeah. wow. I come and I'm thinking, you know what, let me move to, let me, let's move to Portland. It's a slower pace. Cost of living is a lot better. Yeah. Um, let's take this on. So leave and then come to Portland. This is my first stint in Portland now. So this is 06. Yeah. So do that job for, for a couple months and it's great. And then I move into global sportswear where I'm heading up urban globally and Indy was another um, sub-brand within the portfolio that's more of the boutique style products. And then we had Urbano. We took a stab at like a Latin inspired um, offering and then Boots. So mm -hmm. the Goa Dome and all those things. Yeah, so okay. I, I oversaw that those businesses and the teams within that. So the, the big things that happened there were 25th year anniversary of the Air Force One, which have a, a, a hilarious, not really a hilarious oh, so story. You, you were there for the whole, the, the Kanye party? DJ premiere. No, I didn't go to that event. Okay. I knew about that event. I was not at that event. Okay. Um, for some reason, I didn't go, and I don't. I don't know why. Something else was happening. But working on the plan for that Air Force One was incredible. So, and I don't remember if you remember the the rollout of that plan. But the first season in spring, I think we started with what we call like a refinement of the classics and the basics. So a refined approach to the white white, mm -hmm. to the black black, to the mid, and to the high. Craftsmanship. We change some of the internal nuances to make it a more comfortable, a more quality-made product. Um, and then in summer, we went down this road of looking at, I think, the I-95 corridor, where the Air Force One truly resonated. So we did some storytelling around Baltimore stores, mm -hmm. yeah. Philly, New York, the, all the things. Then we went into fall, which was the global. So we had a Paris pair, a London pair, a Toronto pair. Yeah. So we're like, all right, so how do we want to close the year out? What, mm -hmm. what do you do to close the year out? Mark Doce. Hmm? So he was part of the team. He was designed. I was heading up all the, the marketing. He was like, yeah, we got to have the best of both worlds. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, yeah, we got to do some Jordan Air Force Ones. All and the I don't fusions. know how much, I don't know how the much. Fusions. You, no, 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 no. Stay with me. Okay. I don't know how much you know Mark, but Mark, when he was designing, was a beast. Mm -hmm. When he had that pen to the paper, I've never wow. seen anything like it. Maybe a day later, he comes back with line art of these amazing Jordan Air Force One silhouettes. Like to this day, I'm like, if we ever would have did any, what was it? I see, he did a four on an Air Force One silhouette that, but different than the the fusions that came out because everyone's going. To, <laughs> so I, I it, thought... gets, it gets greater later. <laughs> okay, let, let okay. Okay. okay, hold on. Dolce let was the one who had right like pitched the fusion idea to but MJ himself. Wasn't, right. So we're like, we, we can't do this without getting the blessings of the Jordan team. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we gotta take this to Gentry, we gotta take it to Tinker, gotta take it to the crew. We go, we do it, and uh, there's a reluctancy. They're like, nah, we're cool, da da da, boom, boom, boom. Fast forward, so, we're now, so now we're, we're scrambling to figure out what we do. So you get what landed in the marketplace, which was the, the Barkley, Air Force One fusions, mm -hmm. if you remember, in that yeah, yeah, the whole they did the whole collection of yeah. whole collection. They with had the, the with players the, on the heel, right? With no, the, no, so no, that, no, that was that was that was spring. They had but the we bubble, ended with the bubble. With the bubble yes, yeah. we took the DNA of all Charles Barkley's signature shoes okay. and infused that yeah. okay. into Air Force Ones. They were beautiful. Mark killed that the okay. Alpha Force and all that exactly, stuff. exactly. Yep. One had a strap, took yep. the strap from mm -hmm. the Alpha Force and all nine yards. So now, fast forward nine to twelve months later. Gentry being the masterful genius that he is, he saw that this should not just be a seasonal execution. This needs to be something that we can, we can run this for years. Yeah. Hence, 
confusion okay. comes into play on the Jordan side. Because right. remember, this was from Sportswear where we pitched this. Got it. So now Gentry takes this genius idea, and it's even more genius because if you think about this timeline, retros were owning yeah. the market. Yeah. But it was also hitting a wall where it was just a lot of retros that they had to pump out to fill the demand. This is where you pulled back, right, and did like the, the countdown packs? No, they pulled back and did fusions. Did yeah. the fusions do well? Contrary to belief how people well, feel about them? Well, at the very beginning, they were crazy. It was, yeah. a, it was a phenomenon. Did it fade pretty quickly? Yes. Mm -hmm. However, it did exactly what it needed to do because what did it do? It made the demand for retros go higher because there was no supply hmm. to meet it. They gave something else to hold so they could rebuild all that momentum and energy and did small things like those two-shoe packs and things yeah. to that degree yeah. to kind of... Give you a little piece, yep. give you a little piece, but it wasn't something where you had to see an 11 or a 3 to the tune of thousands yeah, upon thousands. Yeah, they weren't thousands doing of... a lot of retro releases at no, all. Like, like, I remember did. being in the store and like working at the time and like the closest thing we had besides the fusions, which were so annoying to sell because the box had like 17 parts to it. And right. You had to like pull the, the top. <laughs> you, had to, right. you had to pull it out and then it had yes, like the plastic yes, piece yes, and someone's yes. like, let me try these on. And you're like, oh, this is going to take. And they're like, no, I need a nine and a half instead of a nine. And you're like, oh my God. Yes. Man. But the closest you had to that besides that was like the Jordan True Flight, which was like the fake looking seven shoe. That's right. But those? they sold. True so Flights were everywhere. Everywhere. Because you everywhere. couldn't buy actual Jordan retros. It was almost Jordan like the dunk for Jordan. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And how it, how it resonated and yeah. spread. So it, it was a genius idea that I wish we would have seen what Mark created because they were very different from what the Jordan team then created on the Fusion side. But it was such a smart move from a business standpoint to do that and stretch it into like a year or two worth of a program and to get that unrequited demand back and the frenzy on retros that they then were able to return to. Was there always a challenge? White on whites were, you just said 70 to 80% of the billion dollar Air Force One sales a year. Was, was Nike ever happy? Like, no, we have to keep seeing what's next or were they like, you know, were you always trying to find something next in terms of the white on whites? Was it was it a, obviously it was a W for them, but like with anything that you know is going to move, yeah. was it like a big celebration or they kept saying like we have to see what's next, what's next, what's next? I think it was a couple of things. I think it was an education for many people who didn't understand the strength of the culture that were doing that. Mm. So being 70 to 80% of the business was not reflected of a business plan that was sent into the market to do so. It was more a reflection of consumers reacting and responding to this is how we're adopting this into yeah. our lifestyle. We're making this what it is. Remember, consumers are buying like three to four pairs at a time. Yeah. And this, and what were they at that point? Fifty-five? Yeah. $55? Until Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> no, so no. so <laughs> this, this, was a true, this was a true definition of the yeah. consumer decided. Consumer decided that yeah. that wasn't a business plan. So to that point, it was how do you resource what the and support what mm -hmm. consumers are saying and needing? Outside of that, you then surround that with, yeah, we're still going to push the envelope on what we want this thing to be. So there were different premium executions mm -hmm. or uh, supreme, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the higher level versions yeah. of it that, of course, you still try to pull. Remember the visible air, yeah. Yeah. vis air, um, yeah. clear midsole, all these things, the, the, the turned, you know, um, uh, uppers in terms of the craftsmanship, mm -hmm. still do all those things. Yeah. Still try to push the envelope of innovation, but not at the expense of taking away the thing that is resonating with the marketplace. So yes, to answer your question, yeah. but not to say that we're gonna minimize the amount of white whites, which they did slow down on yeah. some of them so they could build that unrecruited demand back up as well, um, just because it was just way 
way so many in the market. Do you remember, was it around that time or when you first realized that Nike internally was paying attention to the resale of these sneakers and that people mm. were using these to make money that Nike was missing out on? Yeah, that was more so, that was... um that was after 2010. I remember those conversations and the conversations being, so how are we not benefiting from this? And that's when uh, Sneaker App mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all those started conversations started to come into fruition. Let's create our own space of some sort where we could try to capture that moment and not to say Nike was ever looking to do resale type prices. That was mm-hmm. never the thing. Mm-hmm. It was just a point of how do you create a space or an opportunity where consumers can get an experience that was a little bit more elevated, a little bit more seamless, mm-hmm. and try to minimize the the resale market, which you weren't going to stop that. I mean, that was the the birth of entrepreneurship, yes. number one, um, 101, I should say. And to be honest, I, I thought it was somewhat of a beautiful thing. Why? You now created another opportunity for people who love this industry and this mm-hmm. culture so much to make, to, yeah. to make, to make money off of it. Mm-hmm what's what's the harm in that? Yeah, y'all made money off of us for, for, for years now, for decades now. Can we get a little piece so of it? So now you've helped to springboard an industry and a culture that still actually is even adding more value. Yeah, it all to, comes back. It all comes yeah. back. It all comes back. So I, I was never mad at it. I, I thought it was a, a beautiful thing because the business was planned for profit. And so everything that was sold was already done for profit. We've made the numbers that we forecasted, yeah. right? So if somebody else is now taking it and doing an additional 2X, wow, good for you. Good for you. Now, yeah. if the brand chooses to now go and say, well, we want to start our suggested retail, what they're doing now, yeah. then that's a business decision you can make. It's all choices. Um, I'm glad that choice was not made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I, 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 was ha- I was happy with that. I was happy with that. But going back to like the Air Force One deal, I also remember the conversations on there was supposed to be an Air Force One door. That was supposed to be a big thing. Like they were going to create an wow. Air Force One door, dedicated a, store, a dedicated store. And I'll never forget, you know, Sandy Bodecker, rest in peace, mm-hmm. amazing leader, amazing dude. Um, he was talking through it, and he was like, you know what? We're, we we found a location. And I was like, where is it? He was like, New York City. Mm-hmm. Like, where in New York? This is dope. We just oh. knew we knew what we were going to hear. We, we, well, I thought I was going to hear what I was hoping yeah. to hear. And he says, yeah, we got it in Soho. Yeah. I said, I said, wait, so we're doing an Air Force One door in Soho? Mm-hmm. Now, you got to think about this year. This was 08. Mm-hmm. So this is at the peak of the Air Force One being one of the most culturally relevant shoes in the marketplace. This was not sold in Dick's. Right. Yep. This was not suburbia, you know, yep. dirty, wrinkled, wear it however you want to wear it. Yeah. This was this was at its purest point. Mm-hmm. So for me, red flag immediately goes off. I'm like Soho. Yep. So I'm coming back to a point that you made mm-hmm. about uh, my dear friend Betsy Parker, who mm-hmm. I had built this relationship with. Part of that relationship was her getting me access to her brother on a regular basis. So I would have quarterly meetings with Mark Parker on a regular. When he was the CEO. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we talk about all things, all things. And I I thank him for that space to have a leader who's open to hearing from people who are in the weeds, for lack of a better term. Because a lot of leaders might not do that because Mm -hmm. they think, I'm the leader, so I need to have all the answers. Mark seeked out and he enabled 
a number of people to have a voice in front of him that he can then make calculated decisions based off of that. So I say all that to say, I then went into his office one day and we were talking about all the things that we talked about. And I said, look, I just sat through this leadership meeting on this door, Air Force One door, you know, we're doing the celebration. Yeah, I'm really excited. Da, da, da. I said, look, putting it in Soho is not going to be the look, Mark. Yeah. That is going to be a major disconnect and it's not going to work well for us in terms of perception, um, the optic. It's going to look like we're putting an Air Force One door in a place that's comfortable for those who aren't even Air Force One consumers. Mm-hmm. I left. He said, Aster, thank you for that. Say less. Well, he didn't say say less because say less yeah, is yeah. a now. He's like, <laughs> yeah, imagine. I think I got back to my desk. Email it's to Sandy Bodecker with me copied. Hey, Sandy, excited about everything, but I think we need to rethink the location of this Air Force One door. Wow. And so, da 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 da. Which then births 21, 21 Mercer. Mercer. Yes. Mm-hmm. 21 Mercer becomes the pinnacle expression of sportswear right. with components mm-hmm. of Air Force One, but not an Air Force One door. Wow. And that was a significant moment because we will not know the trajectory of this industry or the brand or the business had Nike put an Air Force One door in Soho in 08. Wow. So again, that was another piece when I look back at the the history of the Air Force One and just leadership, you know, of a visionary like Mark, hence why he now, that's another big announcement of chair Mm -hmm. At Disney, Disney yeah. and at Nike. Yeah. Love it. I applaud him. Super, super happy for him. Um, you know, a true visionary is able to see things and empower people to have a voice to help with it. Yeah. There's the, so much. The, we <laughs> got like, to get like, to the, Adidas, so the recent Adidas, Adidas stuff. Adidas done so much. I know. <laughs> how, how do you go from Nike to Adidas? Great question. So, you know about my daughter, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Bobby um, had a gift, has a gift of singing and acting, and, and we were fortunate enough to see how she was bent at a very early age. Like at five years old, she told me her favorite artist was Erica Badu. Like, mm. oh, and wow. we, we played a ton of music around her, but to have the, the knowledge and the foresight and just to be able to say Erica Badu at five, I was like, okay, this is different. So when she graduated from kindergarten, I actually took her to an Erica Badu concert, and she got to meet Erica Badu, and the two of them were like kindred spirits. It was one of the wildest experiences I've ever seen. I say, let's say, she had an opportunity to be on Broadway mm-hmm. um, back in 15, 16. And I was still at Nike doing my deal in my career progression and working the beat and doing what I yeah. was doing. But I, I knew that I was, I, I pretty much hit a ceiling uh, at Nike. Okay. Um, I noticed that the culture shifted tremendously and it wasn't really the culture that I knew I was going to be able to thrive in anymore. I came up at a time where leaders were building leaders and now it was evolving to like leaders building followers out of fear. It was just a different culture. Mm-hmm. So be it. It is what it is. And so she had this opportunity which would have required me to leave to move back here with her to New York to be on Broadway. And I took that jump. And I'm so thankful that the culture was so different at that time because had it been all hunky-dory and great, yeah. I might have had my blinders on yeah. to not even allow for that type of conversation. You're comfortable enough. We're good. This, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Your father is supposed to be working and mm-hmm. having this job so that you're good. You're not supposed to be thinking about you know, showcasing your gift on Broadway. and like That's not even possible. No, it's very possible. And so I left Nike. I left with my daughter. We went to New York. The rest of the family stayed in Portland, so I was doing a back and forth every couple months to try mm-hmm. to get back to see the family. And, you know, she and I stayed in New York in the same apartment I grew up in. 
Amazing. Oh, wow. Right? With my mom. She's still there on the Upper West Side. Wow. I slept in the bed that I grew up in, and my daughter slept with my mother, and they built an amazing bond. But my daughter essentially had the opportunity to be on an Andrew Lloyd Webber production, School wow. of Rock, part of the original cast. So, like, she's performing at the Tonys. She's performing every night on Broadway. But I'm checking off a bucket list. She performed at the White House for wow. Michelle Obama. Ooh, so like I'm amazing. in the White House. Yeah, like the, so. It, this is a this is a this was part of the transition for me in in my walk in my journey of my purpose and realizing that it was no longer about success, which brings value to me. Mm-hmm. It was about significance, which brings value to others. And I had to be an example of that by taking a step to the side, so that my daughter's gift could shine and touch and inspire way more people than I ever would have. Mm been able to inspire and water that seed, which was a magical, magical experience. So did that for two years. Yeah. Then we come back to uh, Portland, I'm like, all right, because that's a full-time job. I'm father, I'm learning coach, because now she's online schooled, I'm her manager, okay. I'm all the things. And so amazing experience that then brings me back to Portland, and I'm like, all right, let me look for a gig, let me see what's going on there. Clark and Wex, I hit up, and, and Wex was like, yo, I think you need to, I, I think, no, Clark was like, you need to talk to Wex, I think they got something yeah. okay. over there that would make sense for you. So I sit down with, with Wex, and we catch up, and we chop it up. He's like, yeah, they're looking for somebody to head up the Yeezy business. Would you be open to that? I'm like, absolutely. The relationship, yeah. the yeah. history. And so I say, yeah. Typical, I don't hear anything for like four or five months. So I'm like, okay, so they weren't serious. Then I get a call from Adidas, like, hey, we apologize for that delay. We had a reorg. And in reorging some things, we actually have a different opportunity that we'd love for you to explore. Would you be open to heading up all of our music um, businesses from a business standpoint, except Yeezy? I said, oh, okay. So now it's reunited and it feels so good because Pharrell yep. has his business there. Pusha is over there, who I love. And this is like peak, like Ultra Boost, NMD, like yes. Adidas, Adidas, on fire. Adidas, Adidas on fire. On, and I'm thinking, okay, we can do this because Adidas... I go back to the Nike time. You know, when Nike was on top of the world, you would never hear them talk about, we'd never talk about competitors. You're not even thinking about anybody else. Like blinders on. Blinders. We are thinking about what it is we need to Mm -hmm. do and be great at what we do. We can care less about any of the what? Noise. Go to Adidas. That's all they're talking about. What is Nike doing? How are we doing? And it's like, this is a different mindset. So I thought this opportunity would be the opportunity for us to be the one because as part of coming over they were like we need you to help launch put the team and vision together for what beyonce ivy park mm-hmm. so i'm like okay we we, we got we got some tools here we got some things that can really shake this industry up so that was my coming back into the industry for that role that i felt could drive a significant amount of change in the marketplace for mm-hmm. so many reasons first off you're you're behind a black woman in the mm-hmm. footwear space. Yep. I mean, that's never been done to have a prominent play within it. To then hire a full-on female-led, minority-driven leadership team for that business, which was awesome. To have a launch that set the tone mm-hmm. on something and shook up the footwear world and, I'm, and had everybody like, okay, wait, if they keep this Yeezy business going and this, yeah. And maybe get one or two more things. We really need to yeah. start. Yeah, looking around. Was one of those other two more things Drake? Maybe. No, the Drake thing wasn't in the mix. It was um. So we had Jonah. Okay. That came in, and and, and it's not the big things, but I think it was. It's what are the significant things that you're doing to send a message, and be reflective of the change that you needed. And one of them I felt was Yara Shahidi. 
And so I was a big advocate of getting her into the mix. Why? What she represents for youth culture and everything that she is, I felt like I needed my daughters and people who look like her to be able to see somebody like her winning yeah. in this space. So it was things like that that were, you might call them small mm -hmm. change indicators, but they would lead to big validation moments of how the brand is moving moving forward. Did you have Cuddy? Cuddy, Cuddy was there. What Cuddy, was that like? Cuddy was an interesting one. Yeah. Cuddy, Didn't Cuddy. want to do shoes. Cuddy was interesting. Yeah, I, yeah Cuddy Wanted was interesting. Wanted to do a t-shirt. Yeah, it, it was interesting. We, we did some things uh, with him. I wish we could have done more, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, but it, it was interesting. And then you had Pharrell, who was running his piece and trying to relook at what that business model looked like. Yeah. You had Pusha I know you saw the Drake put in the pitch deck or something. Come on, tell no, me. No, actually, I had nothing. Yeah, I never saw a Drake situation i obviously later got pulled into some yeezy stuff yeah but i never the drake stuff i never but you you were there it. like pharrell at like complex con like chucking the boost balls no off. i was not there that was i think i came after that um but yeah he was still in a great place with his business model mm -hmm. and trying to evolve what the next thing was going to be for him so again i just thought it was a, it was a great great time for the brand to get out its own way mm -hmm and actually put some pressure on some others in the business to be the brand that I felt like it had the opportunity to be. And then I feel like you were really heavily involved, correct me if I'm wrong, with Kerwin's stuff? Very. So okay. that, that was another one um, where getting him into the mix, I just think what he represents for youth mm -hmm. culture totally um, goes way beyond footwear. It's something about being your authentic self unapologetically. And if the brand can get behind individuals like that mm -hmm. again you set the tone I, there's such a responsibility that we have in these positions to empower those that we feel can help be change agents for society mm -hmm. in a collective way right it, it's so easy to get behind the well this person has all these followers and they have such a scale and a reach we just want to do that okay but yeah but what are they driving in terms of change is there anything that they're really standing for that helps us get to a better place collectively. Mm -hmm. Right. The business will figure out. But like selling what, shoes, that's easy. Selling shoes and t shirts, that's easy. And that's why somebody like a Yara, it was so imperative to have her in. Somebody like a Kerwin, it was so imperative to get in. And that's all the partnership with a Wex to say, look, let's go in and make this happen. Cause Wex owned the relationship. He owned the the you know the contract dealings and all that to bring these people in. And we owned the, all right, let's build a plan, the vision around what this looks like. And it was, Wex and I are still dear friends to yeah. this day. It must have felt good to be with someone like him because you mentioned, you know, leaving Nike because it didn't really feel, yeah, it didn't feel right. And then you have Wex who's like an OG yeah. shoe industry guy who like genuinely cares all about that. And it must have brought that energy back. Oh, it was that. dope. We, we fed off each other on so many situations. So, so many. Um, and you're right. It, w it was great to have a partner that you can you know have real discussions with right whether we agree or disagree we always aligned yeah always aligned and and you need that type of advocacy and partnership um in many of these rooms because you're much stronger together right as opposed to trying to have agendas sure that are different and and we 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 maximize as much as possible let's get aligned did your old friends at nike give you a hard time for uh a little bit. I think uh, up in Adidas. some of them were like, yo, you've really got this thing. You, you've got people talking over mm. here. So blinders, blinders yeah. were now off. 
And I think that was probably one of, I don't want to say the best, it, it was a great feeling mm -hmm. um, to be able to see them recognizing like there's something happening yeah. that we need to be super cognizant of um, and be prepared for. What's our response? What's our response to this, right? Because I mean, even what we did with like Donald Glover. Yeah was dope when we did the Coachella activation, mm -hmm. which was hot, where a certain area in the, the outer boundaries were able to access his shoe. Um, so it, 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 there were a number of moments that were pretty legendary that I felt could have fueled a charge of Adi making a serious stamp on, no, we're here, we're about this change, we're about this opportunity. But And now it brings us to, you know, I know you, you were at Beats, but it brings us to your new project. Yes. You've dropped so many gems on this podcast. <laughs> Just to let you know, Aster, an hour and a half. Is that what we've been doing? Went very quickly. I feel like we could go forever, but even an hour and a half is a, is a long time I know. For this, us. Is, this is why it's a good thing that you have your own podcast, because I wish we could have yes. you here for three more hours. This is a nice preview <laughs> of Culture Raises Us. Yes. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. My talk God. about that project. We're going to hear more of these footwear stories, I'm yep. sure, on your podcast. So I, I think it's a moment of, you know, you, you, you capitalize on all these experiences you have. So when I, when I look at culture... Culture's at the core of everything. Let me times we've spoken about culture today, mm -hmm. right? So it's at the core of everything, whether you grew up in a culture, uh, you've worked in a culture, or you've helped shape a culture, right? And I look at, we bring on the cultivators and the purveyors of all these different cult mm -hmm. cultures to come talk about when they noticed these cultures become bigger than what they, or these things become bigger than what they ever imagined. The seed that they watered, and it's now become a thing and how it affected so many people. And I'm realizing and I'm seeing in these stories that there's very transferable principles and values that people can take into their respective journeys, right? So whether you're somebody that's coming on and you're being taught or you're learning about a culture, right? So it's like a history lesson, that's one. Or it's somebody coming on and they're like reminded of, oh damn, that's right, we did do that. Or this person is behind that. Or this, these people help create that for all of those you get a moment of motivation and inspiration to say, okay, now that I know this, what do I do? Mm -hmm. That's what this platform is all about. So we, we have cultivators coming from all facets of culture, music, fashion, TV, arts, wellness, all the things, and we do it every Thursday. And the goal is to share these stories. I mm -hmm. think I, I start, I open up the show with, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. Part of that requirement is sharing. And I feel like in everything that I do at this point, it's a matter of sharing. I'm sharing information to help mm -hmm. with this next generation on how they're going to help shape culture and cultures moving forward. Yeah. I love that. I'm surprised at you. We're talking about culture. Esther, we need your help on this. Talk to me. What have you been talking about before he came in that you were going to oh, get him we? to validate? Oh, oh they... the one thing I oh, Wait, we need to we talk we? about. So, I don't know where this I, is I, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So. Uh, people have been asking us to talk about this on the podcast for quite oh, some this time. Is, yes, this is happened. Before we yes, go. This was, okay, you did okay, okay go, 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 yeah. So where I met you was at Complex Con. Correct. In the lobby. Yeah, we were at the bar talking music. Clark Kent yep. and Abdul and everything. Yep. And the one thing we, we had all just came from was the Sneaker of the Year panel. And everyone wants us to talk about the Sneaker of the Year panel. Even still, months later? I see a little comment. They're like, they're, like, when, they're like, when are they going to address the Sneaker of the Year panel? <laughs> but <laughs> mostly. The one, the one thing that we, that we talked about was is that somehow the Gucci Gazelle got slandered as a shoe that wasn't a part of the culture. That was like the discussion on, on the stage. I remember 
we were talking after that, and you were like, "That's crazy that someone would say that the that, Gu- that Gucci and Gazelle roasted. has nothing to do with like this sneaker culture." Yeah, you know. And so, what's the question? The I don't question know. is, do you? The question is, and you know, we're making yeah. a private conversation public, but like. You stand behind the Gucci Gazelle, right? Yeah. Listen, listen Astro Chambers I, validating the Gucci let's Gazelle. Go. That's, I don't know what else we need. That's all we need. Listen, to be completely honest with you, you know, all these lists that people do of top whatever, yeah. Yeah. super subjective. Yeah. yeah. Right? People can say and do, because Jim Jones' commentary just blew. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a dude that but, still wears shocks. You, but, but can you wear it on Easter? That's right. like the yeah, whole thing. Like, yeah. Yo, it was such a great conversation. Really it good was, entertaining, but the comments on YouTube were different than what it or felt like. how did like. the Khaled 5 get so high? Well, it was different what it felt like in that room, because I lo- I stand by that panel. I loved that panel in that yeah. room. I, I was like, It was electric. Really, yeah, it yeah. was electric. And you had great people. Bash, yeah. I mean, come on. Jada, yeah. Love all of them. Yes. Um, and the so, Gucci Gazelle, they, they were like, what's going on at Complex? And, you know, nah, that, I love the Gucci Gazelle yeah, still. Listen, it, it, that's a valid one. I mean, I, and I'm looking at James's, his, his four. I, I, number one from it, subjective. Okay. Subjective. Because, okay. again, there's so much more to it than yeah. just the finish. It's the storytelling. It's what James is doing. Yeah. What James is all about. Yeah. Um, and he killed the design. I mean, yes. he murdered. Yes. Over Louis Vuitton Air Force Ones? For me, 1,000. Number one. For, for me. For, and you're and, the Air Force One guy, so. But I don't even wear Air Force Ones. So maybe, so that's another thing. I, I don't wear them. I'm aware of them, right? So for me, James's was my number one mm-hmm. out of that okay. group. Um, I'm in your Jordan 4. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry, we could do this for days. I know, <laughs> I know. But listen, this is a good tease because they're getting gems and these stories and more. Culture raises us every Thursday where you get your oh, podcast. Man, I appreciate y'all. So I'm happy. To, I'm tuning in. So no, happy please. to have you. You know, once you get to maybe the 100th episode of Culture Raises Us, you come back and we I do would another. Love to. Because we just scratching the surface. It's It's been so easy to talk to you. So great. <laughs> I have like 40 more names of random people it who worked at so, Nike over the past 30 years. Went so the quick. Stories off, but we're going to wait. No, yeah. we, we can wait because there's uh, tons of more stories to discuss. And, and I just thank you all for this outlet. Um, timing is everything because I've been talking to you yes. two in different circles and ways to, to make this happen. I'm just grateful that this one came together. This is awesome. And I look forward to doing it again because there's a ton more to discuss. And this culture is is growing. Yep. It's not going anywhere. And you guys have a responsibility on how it's yes. kind of captured. Definitely. Um, so, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Aster, thank you so much. As we said, culture raises us every Thursday where you get your podcast. Make sure you go check that out. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. And this has been the Complex Sneakers Podcast. We hope everyone has a great weekend. Please like, subscribe. We will see you next week. Our producer is David Matthews. Our associate producer is Jillian Hardman Webb. Audio editing done by Haley Choi. Special thanks to Jen Stewart, Shiva Bayet, and Haley Choi. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Complex Sneakers.